You're listening to an Ancient Future podcast produced by St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I'm your host, Jamie Howison. This is episode six in our ongoing serialization of John Boddicher's book, Ten Steps on Freedom Road, Why the Commandments are Good News. This chapter is titled, Freedom for Listening, and in it John engages the commandment on not making wrongful use of the name of the Lord. John Boddicher. Chapter 6, Freedom for Listening. The third commandment reads like this in Exodus 20. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. It's the same in Deuteronomy. At the present time, a minister of the United Church of Canada is making some others in that communion uneasy by arguing that the church can perform its ministry better by not talking about God. Of course, this puts her at odds with the statements of faith which define the church. Unitarian Universalists, a few of whom I know and respect deeply, would find her position agreeable, but she seems less interested in finding the fellowship of the like-minded than in challenging her United Church brothers and sisters to think about what they are saying. Since I am encouraging you to take seriously the faith of Abraham, Moses, and Jesus, I am not going to avoid talking about their God, the one whose biblical name is I Am. But I think my disturbing sister has a point, and it is exactly the point of the third commandment. In a culture where we are led to believe we are secular, we talk about God with surprising frequency. Everyone knows what OMG means, although it is never clear which God is mine. God is regularly summoned to condemn things of which the speaker disapproves, whether seriously or frivolously. And no major political speech in the USA is complete without summoning some deity, often assumed to be the God of the Bible, to bless America. All these are violations of the commandment, although the freedom which is lost in the violation is often no more, but surely no less, than the freedom to express oneself clearly. But to see the fuller intent of the commandment, to grasp the challenge involved in keeping it, and to become aware of the freedom offered by the keeping of it, we must reflect on what it might mean for a community of faith to make wrongful use of the name. The careless use of the word God outside of the covenant community is trivial in its consequences compared to the misuse of the language of faith within that community and its life in relation to the world. Let us examine some typical ways in which the name is misused, along with the consequences of this misuse, so we may see how the commandment leads us toward freedom. First, there is the way in which God, the word God, is used as a weapon against perceived enemies, as an excuse to denigrate, oppress, or kill people of other nationalities, religions, 
or even other varieties of their own faith. Christians have a wretched record when it comes to this commandment. Not that other faith groups do not do similar things, but surely those who claim the covenant of which this commandment is a part have no valid excuse here. We will raise related matters when we reach the sixth commandment, but here the issue is the way the word God is used to justify hostility. Once God is invoked, the hostility is irreversible. If I do this because it is the will of God, I can no longer examine my attitude or behavior critically. I can no longer admit to my mistakes or my brokenness and ask for forgiveness. A change in the relationship is no longer possible. I am locked into a hostile relationship unless or until I can acknowledge that I have broken the commandment that the one I call God has not been on my side and that I have misused the name. Second, there is the way God is invoked to control the behavior of others. This can be done with a perfectly good conscience, but out of anxiety. For example, my child seems to be headed down the wrong path. Only the fear of God can bring the needed correction. Or, social practices are changing in a way we find unsettling. God is invoked to steer our moral sense back to the traditions which have shaped us. Or, the indigenous people on whose lands we have settled have practices and wisdom which are strange to us. The dispossession we have caused has made their life more difficult. We are prospering while they are impoverished and too often in despair. If only they could be more like us. God, in the form of our culture and morality, has blessed us. So, let us establish residential schools in which they can be taught the way of God and their own culture extinguished. These are examples of the way that God can be made to serve our moralism. Now let's contrast moralism with morality. Morality is good. It is the attempt we make to lead the best lives we can. Moralism is the attempt to impose our morality upon others. Moralism in the name of God is the attempt to paint my own sense of moral judgment with a cosmic brush, presenting it to others and to ourselves as something more than the effort of the fallible being I am. Moralism in the name of God is the enemy of freedom. It is the attempt, usually unsuccessful, to restrict the freedom of others to find their own way to see their brokenness and find healing in their own way. Ironically, when I invoke God in support of my moralizing, I also restrict my own freedom. Condemning the behavior of others in the name of God is like throwing a boomerang. The standard I have set is now the one by which I shall be judged. It is no wonder that moralism in the name of God is rejected as hypocrisy. Finally, there is the way that God talk can trivialize our thinking and our imagination about the source of meaning and purpose in our lives. 
We have looked at the political and moral dimensions of the third commandment. Now we come to the theological dimension. And here I can only proceed by running the risk of contradicting myself, for theology is talk about God by fallible human beings, and such talk is always in danger of misusing the name, so beware. The problem is that theology tries to put into words the mysterious presence who is beyond our understanding, to name the one who is beyond our language and our thought. Our only justification for theology is that the one we call God has invited us to this task, has revealed himself, as we awkwardly say, already stumbling over the limits of a language in which persons are gendered. We can only undertake theology because of our stories. So, we have reason to speak of the God of Abraham and Sarah and their descendants, the God who confronted Moses as I am, the God who led us out of slavery, the God who made covenant with us at Mount Sinai, the God who brought us into the promised land, the God who brought us back from exile, the God who became one of us in the life and death of Jesus of Nazareth, the God who defeated the forces of evil and death through Jesus' resurrection, the God whose spirit lives in and through us by faith, the God who calls us to live our lives as instruments of love. Our talk about God, our theology, is legitimate only as long as it remains rooted in this story and its claim upon our lives. Apart from that story, our talk about God is, in the words of Paul, a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And it is a violation of the third commandment. Apart from the story and its claim upon us, the mysterious presence refutes our names and our God talk is blasphemous. So, what freedom does the commandment offer us? Clearly, the story just outlined is not the only story people live by. Stories that tell us who we are and what makes life worth living abound in our global culture. Judaism and Islam offer significant alternatives to the Christian story. Asian cultures offer stories and what we might call God talk that has been shown to have global reach and relevance. Stories from indigenous cultures offer deep wisdom rooted in the experience of life in particular places. Those who have come to share those places ignore these stories at their peril. The sciences and the technology of the modern world have generated narratives that shape our lives even when the bearers of these stories present them as simply the facts. The third commandment, warning us against abstracting our God talk from our particular story, offers us a sense of humility. We know nothing about God apart from our story. We have the freedom to share our story with others in the humbling awareness of the limits of our knowledge and our language. And we have the blessed freedom to listen respectfully to the stories of our near and distant neighbors and to learn from them whatever helps us understand and appreciate them and our world 
more fully. If Christians, even troublesome United Church ministers, decide to be much more careful in the way they talk about God, perhaps even suspending God talk for a season of repentance, we can be grateful that they are, whether they know it or not, encouraging us to heed the warning and enjoy the freedom of the Third Commandment. You've been listening to a podcast in our serialization of John Boddicher's book, Ten Steps on Freedom Road, Why the Commandments Are Good News. I'd invite you to consult the show notes where you'll find a link to the web post for this episode. And on that post, we will be including each of the episodes as they're released so that it's easy for you to go back and pick up one that you may have missed. Ten Steps on Freedom Road, Why the Commandments are Good News, is easily available through many booksellers, both online and the bricks-and-mortar sort. And a particularly affordable edition of the book in Kindle format is available through Amazon. Music for this series was provided by Steve Bell. We are grateful to Signpost for their permission to use this music. We're also grateful to John for taking the time to so carefully record these, to Kevin Grummet, Larry Campbell, and Bram Ryan, who did a lot of the background work on this audio, and to you for taking the time to listen, to think, to dig deeper with us in these podcasts. I'm your host, Jamie Howison. Thanks for listening.